point every great beer is an even better story. Welcome to the Beer Healer Interviews. Let me set the scene for you today. I'm drinking beer in the blazing sun on a farm in the north of Tasmania, which is also home to Van Diemen Brewing. There are about 50 of us here celebrating the art of farmhouse brewing, the amazing Tasmanian produce with which the beers are made, and the awesome Tasmanian breweries that partake in the art form. Which brings me to the two people sitting in front of me right now. The dynamic duo in charge of brewing the amazing beers at Bruni Island Beer Company, and sharing them with their ever-growing number of adoring consumers. I am of course talking about head brewer Evan Hunter and his partner and brewery sales and promotions manager Steph Schrodka. Beers brewed on an island in the deep south of Tasmania using old dairy farm equipment. To say that this is a unique setup really is an understatement. Broody Island Beer is in its fifth year now. Evan has worked for Lark Distillery, Moo Brew and one of Tasmania's original experimental breweries, Seven Sheds. Let's just say he has a well-rounded skill set and puts it to good use with the beers he produces. And as a sales manager, it must be pretty cool for Steph to be able to share the latest imaginative creations to customers in the current environment where everyone is looking for a point of differentiation. So for my first outside broadcast on location in Evandale, welcome to the Bee Healer interviews, Evan Hunter and Steph Schrodka. Thank you. Thank welcome, you. guys. Thanks. Uh, we're not quite out in the open air today. We're in the uh, Van Diemen Brewing luxurious brewery offices. <laughs> it's about the best we can do <laughs> to set this up. So let's let's kick things off. I just want to ask, did you guys want to make it any harder for yourself? I mean, it's hard enough setting up a brewery on the island of Tasmania, but you decided to set up a brewery on an island of that island. you got to be crazy. Well, the thing that brought it together was uh, the Bruni Island Cheese Company. Um, yeah. That's where the story really started. The brewery was an idea that um, took off uh, after a conversation between myself and Nick Haddo, the founder yep. of Bruni Island yep. Cheese. Um, and of course, uh, Bruni Island cheese being where it is, um, and, uh, having an established business and, um, established tourism traffic, um, it made more sense than you might think to set up a brewery there. Um, having said that, we uh, <laughs> are still dealing with the logistical challenges of having a brewery oh, on an island, off an island, off an island yeah. to this day. Uh, that's what I was thinking. Cause I, I remember back in the day working for, for Lion and the, the issues we would have with, you know, getting containers of beer onto the, onto the big island. Uh, you guys have got another couple of steps before you even get to that point, don't you? Uh, it was a great thing that someone um, once said to me. It was like, are we serious? Are, we, <laughs> are you joking? And also be like one of the only breweries sort of in the world whose, body, uh, whose beer has crossed two bodies of water to reach its own bloody yeah. mainland. Oh, it's, it's tough stuff, tough stuff. <laughs> um, now, a question for you about the initial setup of the brewery. Were you guys just pretty much trawling Gumtree for any leftover farm equipment or was it a bit easier than that? Uh, Taz Country all the way. <laughs> Taz Country. <laughs> for people yes. that, that's, the, that's the little mini newspaper, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Classic. So I grew up in rural Tasmania and right. you get used to seeing old uh, farm milk tanks um, in people's uh, hay sheds um, or being used as water tanks. And um, with my background at Seven Sheds Brewery as well, another... Because he was a bit the same. Yeah, I knew they were out there, but yeah. the question was uh, how to find them and uh, how to buy them. So, yeah, and out in Taz Country, didn't get us very far, but I started making a few phone calls and um, it's the 
agricultural machinery suppliers around the state who have all the hot leads on yeah, where to okay. get uh, good bits of stainless steel. So I feel I feel like it'd be like a bit like a an episode of American Pickers in a way, just getting out there trawling through <laughs> old old junkyards to find this stuff. Yeah, it took me to some interesting places, some far flung corners of the state. I and drove, some great chat. Drove around yeah. at one point uh, with a big trailer um, on the being towed by the Ute. Uh, went and um, uh, brought back three milk tanks to nice um, stainless steel uh, engineering place in Launceston, and um, that was the start of it. Uh, yeah, gathered a bit of a collection. Um, we've now got uh, seven former dairy tanks, or actually oh, nice. eight former dairy tanks. So you, you pretty much take the tank, but you have to modify it for beer use. Is that right? Indeed. Basically what we start with is an insulated um Brewery grade stainless steel tank. Um, So we add all the fittings that we need for uh, brewing. Uh, We modify the tanks to um, have uh, brewery compatible fittings on them so that we can uh, buy purpose built brewing equipment um, that talks to the custom tanks that we have. So it's just that that one little piece and then all the other stuff is kind of as a normal brewery would buy. Indeed. Yeah. Um, And it's the difference between buying an off-the-shelf brewery from um, you know China or the United States or Europe, um, where everything is just ready to go, um, and having to sit down and think about um, the instructions that you've got to give to um, a stainless steel welder about um, how you want this to go, bearing in mind that they have zero experience in uh, running a brewery. So, well, what about yourself with experience? I'm assuming that's not something you just necessarily read a book about, like conversion of milk milk vats to to brewery equipment. Um, I was very lucky uh, in that I received uh, my first few years of training in brewing from Willie Simpson, who um, established and still runs Seven Sheds Brewery in yep. northwest Tasmania. Um, like us, he set up his brewery on a shoestring and um, sourcing uh, dairy tanks um, in the in one of Tasmania's uh, dairy farming heartlands was a no-brainer for him. So um, I was able to learn from that and, um, yeah, sort of make my own uh, kind of uh, uh, I don't want to sit here and say I made a better brewery than Willie. <laughs> I did. But you did. <laughs> Sorry, Willie. I put a few more bells and whistles in mine. Do you do you have uh, your pump rolling around the floor on a skateboard like he does? <sighs> no. No. <laughs> I don't have as much character in my brewery as Willie does. Character, that's what we'll call it. <laughs> That's what we'll call it. Well, well, pretty much what it has done is it's left you with a, a unique setup, which segues nicely into while we're up here in Everdale today, we're celebrating all things farmhouse brewing in Tasmania, and Brewery Brewery Island is one of the breweries that's uh, here today to, that we're celebrating. So, what is different about your setup that makes you a farmhouse brewery? Is it purely just the fact you're, you're located on a farm, or is it sort of more than that in your eyes? Uh, farmhouse brewing to me um, is in its most pure form. Uh, growing everything on the farm and processing it on the farm and making the beer on the farm, uh, which is why we're sitting here today at Van Diemen. That yeah. is what Will Tatchell is doing and it's fantastic. We it's cool. We don't have quite that um, level of, uh, you know, paddock to bottle to glass. Yeah, yep. um, product. But uh, the way that we do it is um, I think it, it lies in the relationship that you build between the growers of your ingredients um, through the process and um, in the end telling the story to people who are buying your product. 
Um, we are lucky in that we have close relationships with um, some of the farmers of our ingredients, um, whether it's the hop growers at Bushy Park um, or the farm up the road a few kilometres from us that grows the wheat that we use in several of our beers. Um, that aside, the primary ingredient in our beers, malted barley, is all grown and malted in Tasmania. No, no, so really your farmhouse has just got a bit bigger borders is how we'll say that then. That's like Wills is all here on this one spot, but yours is just a bit up the road. So yes. still the same mantra. Many farms involved. Yeah, nice, nice. We can drive through them. We drive through several of the farms that grew the barley that we use in our beers on the way up here today from Bruni. I think people forget that beer is generally an agricultural product. Yep. It is something from the land. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, when you see all the mass-produced beers out there. It's it's pretty easy to forget that it is a pretty simple product, you know, brewed with these relationships with the local farms and stuff. Do you actively sell yourselves as a as a farmhouse brewery these days? Uh, like a little a little bit. I yep. think I think we sell ourselves more on like a point of a point of passion and uniqueness. Yep. Um, like the farm the farm beers um, are an element of that, and that's something people are attracted to. But I think more broadly, um, we just go on um, what's the word I'm looking for? E- eccentric. Eccentric. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Look, I, I would I would say we are not a farmhouse brewery, um, but we make um, several products which um, can be characterised as farmhouse. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, fair enough. One thing I do love about what you guys do, which which is pretty unique, is is your open top fermenters. Um, is every beer that you brew open top fermented or is it just a select few? Um, all three of our fermenters and that's all we have at the moment. Okay, yep. Um, uh, former milk vats. Um, yep. So they can't be pressurised. They've got lids that close. Um, so it's not literally this is just a, a large open bucket with beer fermenting in it. Yeah. Um, but that um, does make a difference to the product. Yeast behaves differently when it's not um, in the pressurised environment of a closed vessel. Um, and the broad, shallow nature of the fermented geometry um, also means that we um, get a, a different expression from the yeast. So what, what are the dimensions of these fermenters? Uh, they're around um, twice as wide as they are tall. Okay. Um, and they range in size from around 1,200 litres um, up to 1,600. Is that like? Pretty big, yeah. You know, as homebrewers or whatever, we're always taught to try and keep things out of beers, you know, put your lids on, sanitise this and do that. And sort of open-top fermenting in some way sort of says, nah, fuck that. We're just going to let nature take its course, doesn't it? It's all about the rigour of your sanitation regime. And, um, yeah, we have rigour built into the bones of our brewery. Um, So, look, there's – you can – you can easily wreck things in a conventional brewery with closed fermenters. Yep. Um, if your cleaning regime is not rigorous, um, you could do the same in our brewery. Um, I trust our cleaning regime and um, I definitely put it to the test um, by using different organisms um, such as Britannomyces yeasts yep. um, in addition to our regular um, couple of yeast strains that we use that are more conventional. Um, and we have not found any cross-contamination or, um, you know, any kind of infection issues resulting from that. So, um, yeah, look, you have to take a leap of faith sometimes as a brewer yeah. um, and introducing things that are a little more wild is a way of doing that. 
And um, so far we've had good results and nothing unintended, fingers crossed. The well, site that we're based on as well is full of microbes. They oh, are nice. everywhere. You know, yeah, it's a cheesery, it's a brewery, and it's a sourdough bakery. Yep. So, yeah. Cool. yeah. It's yep. very well speaking from personal experience, I haven't had a bad <laughs> beer from you guys yet. So um I think you're doing okay. <laughs> so. oh, thanks, Matt. <laughs> oh, Steph raises a good point though. It's yeah. um it was a concern when I was setting the place up. For sure. That the back door of the cheesery is only fifty meters away from the brewery. Yep. Um you know, fortunately that place is closed up all the time, but like there's there's just cheese everywhere, you know. And yeah, the sourdough bakery as well. Like um yeah, what if the wind's in the wrong direction and I yeah. open the tank? But look, I think um, I think when it comes down to it, microbiology is a little bit more complex than that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no problems as yet. Hey, Steph, let's talk about the sales and marketing for you guys. Was it difficult at the start to get your beers into outlets or did that link to, you know, the award-winning cheese side of the business open up some doors for you? Uh, the Having the cheesery there gave us the most excellent platform to start with because you, you're not starting from scratch. You're always starting with a recognised yeah. brand. Um, so people were willing to open the door. Also, Evan and I had been living and working in hospitality and in bars in Hobart for some time, so yeah. we knew knew a lot of people around town, so yep. people were quite willing to... Relationships make the market work, don't they? Yeah, oh, and like wow. lots of friends willing to get on the train and, and get behind it, and it turned out that it, it worked and it sold, so we just kept going. <laughs> so what, what was your initial sales pitch to say, hey, take this brand new beer? It was as pretty much... Hey guys, please. <laughs> we made a beer. We think it's we think it's all right. You've been listening to us talk about this for a couple of years. Yeah. So it was it was in the planning for a few years that you guys were going to, you know, um, yeah. Started planning in 2014. Yep. Um, and it took about 18 months from that initial conversation through um, construction, designing yeah. the recipes, um, and we eventually launched um, pretty much this time three years ago. Yeah. Have you spent time with uh, Seven Sheds, Moobrew and Lark? So some pretty diverse experiences, I would say. Which you, of those places do you feel help shape your vision for what Bruny Island stands for? Oh, all really important to me. Um, I learned a great deal at all places. Um, like I touched on, um, the uh, the very construction of Seven Sheds um, had a huge influence on the way that Bruny Island Beer Company was built. Um, but, you know, also the 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 techniques going right through from the um, the very uh, kind of artistic approach of Willie Simpson um, to his products, uh, going from there into, um, you know, a completely different world of whiskey making. Yeah. That one really intrigued me how, like, I know, I know it's still sort of a similar kind of process in doing that, but it intrigued me as to why you would have jumped. Did you jump from Seven Sheds into Lark? I actually kept working at Seven Sheds oh. on the weekends. I was, All right. Uh, I was a very busy boy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so so what what was it about Lark that sort of helped you, you know, bring Bruni Island to life? Working at Lark gave me an appreciation of um, fine sensory evaluation. So yeah. uh, when nice. you're when you're distilling um, not by numbers but by sensory, yep. um, having to trust your nose and um, interpret what it's telling you, uh, that's not just relevant to making whiskey, it's relevant to everything. Um, cause that's really what it comes down to. I watched a documentary about some small island of Scotland where a whole bunch of whiskey is made. And there are these blokes that are in their sixties that it's all about what they taste and smell. And they say, right, oh, that one's ready to go. Totally. Yeah. And not numbers like everything else that we seem to do. 
The great thing about working to Lark is it also introduced me to um, the idea of barrel aging beers. Yeah. And um, because I was working at Lark and Seven Sheds at the same time, we were able to um, do some great uh, kind of collaborations where um, I was able to take retired whiskey barrels up to Seven Sheds, fill them with beer. And um, although most people probably don't know this, we were amongst the first in Australia at Seven Sheds to start releasing barrel aged beers. Wow. I, I did not know that. And some of the first ones I ever had um, came out of Seven Sheds. Oh, nice. Of course, Moobrew were doing it at the same time as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, another interesting aspect of that was that the beer barrels that got emptied, a couple of them made their way back to Lark and got filled with spirit as well. Yeah. Well, actually, Moobrew are doing that same thing right now with the Archie Rose collaboration, back and forth, back and forth. That'll be cool to see how that uh, turns out eventually too. Fascinating. Think smoking bagpipes is um, a jewel in your crown as well, which is... That was your recipe, was it? Worth mention. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, so obviously a Seven Sheds beer that we're talking about, yep. Yeah, so um, after a little while working at Seven Sheds, um, uh, Willie was finally ready to let go a little bit and um, let, let <laughs> me have a go at uh, making my own beer recipe. And um, what I wanted to do was uh, pretty out there. So working at Lark at the same time, uh, one of my jobs was uh, peat smoking. So... Yep. Uh, smoking the malted barley over a peat fire so it absorbed the smoky flavour um, and then we brew and distill whiskey out of that. But um, to make this beer, I brought down a load of malt from Seven Sheds, put it through the peat smoker, got the smoke level really high, uh, took it back up and brewed this 100% peat smoked beer. Uh, its working title was Evans Folly, <laughs> um, but it came to be known as Smoke and Bagpipes. Yep. Um, and it's still brewed still to this go. day. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I saw it in the bottle shop this week, actually. May I say it's uh, better than ever. Uh, nice. Nice. Oh, great stuff, great stuff. Now, look, as we speak, uh, the hop harvest has begun. Um, have you guys put in your your order with OJ for a fresh uh, batch of wet hops yet? Uh, we have indeed. Um, Excellent. For the first time ever this year, we're using Cascade. Oh, nice. Um, I love Cascade. It's a... Uh, Kind of an old school hop now, but yeah. it's one that was instrumental in kicking off the craft beer revolution in the United States For sure. back yep. in the late 70s, early 80s. Um, so Cascade is the classic hop in Sierra Nevada's Pale Ale, for example. Yeah. Um, Cascade grown in Tasmania is a little bit different. Um, it's pungent, citrusy and full of character. Um, but the reason that we're using it is uh, a little bit more of a practical consideration. It's the first hop that gets harvested. Ah, so right, okay. It's quite predictable. Yeah. And we know exactly when it's going to come off the binds. Yep. And um, I can plan my brewing day around that down to Nice, nice. I can see a glint in your eye. How excited do you guys get about fresh hops? Oh, it's, it's a pretty good time. It's one of the best yeah. days in the brewery. Like it's like so aromatic and yep. overwhelming. Yeah, it's brewing fresh hops is a pain in the ass. Um they're so much bulkier Messy and there's and stuff, so much yeah. more work to do in handling them. Yep. Um, to actually use them, we've got to clean and sanitise our mash tun to use it essentially as a big... Um, a big Giant hot bag. Tea bag or something, yeah, yeah, yep. But there is nothing comparable to the uh, smell of those fresh hops filling yeah. the brewery once you start pumping the hot wort up into the hot back and um, they steep in it. And... You know, if the resulting beer can even capture um, a sliver of that character, yep. 
we've done a good job. They're so buoyant as well. Yep. Like they don't they don't sink easily. Describe the difference in actually using the dry versus the fresh hops, you know, the pellets versus the fresh hops, because even though they are the same product, the wet hops had a had a whole new element to the beer, don't they? Yeah. So you can think about it as the difference between using fresh herbs versus dried herbs in the kitchen. Yep. Um, you know, dried herbs still have um, you know, some some of the oils in them, they still have that uh, character, but they they lose an element of freshness. They mm-hmm. lose a bit of pungency. Yep. Um, similarly with uh, fresh hops, um, there's just there's something about the character of fresh hops that is absent from the dried hops. Um, it's not necessarily that dried hops are less good. Um, they're just a little bit different. When hops are dried, they're... Um, they're heated up, so um, the heating is quite gentle and carefully controlled, but um, heating changes the um, the chemistry of the hop to an yeah. extent, and it's unavoidable. Um, it's the price we pay for being able to use hops all year round. So what are you guys producing this year then? you got your Cascade hop. What sort of a beer? Are you allowed to, are you allowed to say? Oh, we, I don't think exclusive? we can tell you. When, <sighs> Damn. Sorry. <laughs> um, I will say that um, as we've done every previous year um it's a beer with all tasmanian ingredients uh, cool with the exception of the yeast that we use um so yeah it, it kind of it's a celebration of tasmania not only in terms of the hops uh but also the barley which um has uh, just been harvested and the stuff that's being uh, malted in the plant up at devonport at the moment is all new season 2019 Tasmania barley nice well i've just got to say that last year's was how i would term a fucking ripper. So, <laughs> so hopefully. It was dangerous. Yeah, I really liked that beer. Oh. Yeah, that was great. Um, Steph, you must absolutely love this time of year. New news to tell the customers about. Do you find that customers are starting to recognise this time of year now and start to get excited as well? Oh, absolutely. And St John's um, Fresh Hop Festival has been yep. really um, pivotal in that as well um, and it, it gives great um, consumer awareness and excitement and, you know, because this will be our third or fourth. Evan's looking blank. He doesn't know. Uh, we've made a few. Yeah. Anyway, this is not your, fir- you're not, not <laughs> your first fourth. rodeo. It's the fourth. fourth. Fresh Hop Festival, so it's our fourth one. Yeah, 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 yeah okay. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So um, people people know about it and get ready. They get ready for it. So yeah. we, we're already taking pre-orders even though the beer's not been made. Ah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, yeah. That makes your job a bit easy, doesn't it? Look, yeah. four years ago, nobody knew what a Fresh Hop beer was. Yeah. Um, it's entirely different now. Uh, yeah. There's uh, Fresh Hop Festivals popping up um, all over the place. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the Fresh Hop Festival in Launceston's um, no longer the only one. There's, yeah. Um, but it's the one that's closest to the point of origin of the hops, though, isn't it? It is indeed, unless Absolutely. you're in Victoria and you... No, nah, let's, let's not get into details. It's the closest. <laughs> 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 no, there is, there is a lot of lot of talk about it, like off the island, on, on the mainland, that this is a bloody great festival. I, I haven't been yet. I'm hoping to get up there this year. Uh, Will Tatcher would say that I never cross uh, the dotted white line in the middle of the state often enough, mm-hmm. although I have got here today. He's looking at us, telling us to hurry up. He's got work to do in here, but I'll hopefully get up there because the, the feedback on it is just it's a fantastic festival. Look, at last year's festival, I spoke to a heap of people who come from the mainland. Um, there were lots of people from Melbourne and Sydney there. People make the trip specifically to Tasmania to, at that time, to go to the Fresh Hop Festival. Yep. It's great beer tourism. 
Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I actually had a chat with a bloke called the Beer Pilgrim on, on my last podcast, which obviously you two have both listened to numerous times. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> but he uh, he's was all about the beer tourism and, uh, yeah, we were talking off off the uh, off the mic about trying to get him down to help promote that kind of thing because it's just, it's just an awesome thing, beer tourism. I love it. We've got Damn. to get better at it. And you start, yeah. I know we started to try and get our shit together with the beer trail, but I still think there's more that we can do to oh, promote us. I'm yeah. excited about this Fresh Hops um, season because on the 23rd of March we'll be doing our first Pink Boots oh. um, event for the year Brilliant. and um, a whole bunch of different Tasmanian women from the brewing industry, we're all going We're all going picking fresh hops. Oh, we're nice. going to break them down and do a bunch of experiments and um, hop tea trials. And cool. Just a Tasmanian exclusive or you got the interstaters coming um, too? Just a Tasmanian one this yep. time around, but we'll do – um, I'll run more pink boots and interstate-based events. I love the pink boots. I've been speaking to a couple of ladies in the industry lately on, on this and it's uh, just a great different perspective on, on the whole industry. It's awesome. I love it. Let's try and get back on track quickly. Home, home brewers, uh, what advice do you have for them on, on trying to use fresh hops? Because there's always seems to be some fresh hops kicking around the state when, uh, when the season happens. What would you say for them? Okay, so one of the things that you need to remember with fresh hops is that because they haven't been dried, they've got a much higher water content than dried hops. So the quantity that you need to use to um, make a really hoppy beer um, is obviously going to be more than you would with um, dried hops. Um, so it um, there's no clear-cut ratio, but um, I would recommend 5 to 10 times the weight of dried hops in fresh hops. Wow, yep. Um, which seems like quite a lot, but yeah. you know, to put it in perspective... Um, we're going to be using 75. We're using about a kilo of fresh hops per 20 litres. Yep. Yep. That's a lot of so hops. So if you're, if you're brewing a 20 litre batch of beer, don't feel like you're going over the top if yeah. you use up to a kilo of fresh hops in it. No, fair enough. Fair well, enough. And if you're going to try and dry, dry hop, wet hop, buy some really good weights. Uh, keep them down. Yeah. So what's next for Bruny Island, Steph? Are you are you guys going to sort of maybe start to shift your core range more in the direction of some of those, you know, you've done some great limited release sort of saisons and farmhouse sales, which aren't in your core range, or are they going to stick those to limited releases? What, what are the plans? Oh, I'm not sure what I'm allowed to give away, so. Just be vague. <laughs> Hold on, I'm going to give them a chance to have a powwow and compare notes. You can mention the. Oh, yeah, let's do that. Okay. All right. Um. Barrel aging program. Oh, exciting! Yeah. Sounds pretty cool. What uh, what kind of beers do you think you might be barrel aging? So the oh, the the Can waste out. Would the, would the waste out work in the barrel age? We we do actually have waste out in a barrel at the moment. Oh, have you? <laughs> This is hilarious. Yeah, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be bottling it soon. Uh, but it's the best. But it's the best story. No, I don't. I no, don't, we don't want to tell you yet. Okay. Story yet. Okay, okay, we're not going to tell you that yet. Right yeah. On. So let's just summarise here. I've asked a question that they're not allowed to answer <laughs> just yet. So we might just have to move on because they're, they're squirming in their seats here. We can tell you that metric stout is in barrels. Metric stout in barrels. Evans. Yes. Yeah, he's giving a straight face. <laughs> yes, metric stout in barrels. Whatever's going on at Bruny, I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> this just got really. Really awkward. We know what we're doing. We um, we've got plans to do a variety of um, things in barrels, um, from pale beers, um, inoculated with various uh, kinds of funky organisms, um, to fruit beers, um, to more conventional beers um, with wood influence. See, Steph, that wasn't that hard. Maybe I should let him answer the question at the start. 
I need to have another beer so I can talk better. <laughs> That's fantastic. All right, it's getting really hot in here. We're all sweating. Why don't we finish this up with the fast five? You ready for right. it? Right. Time starts now. Has beer ever led you astray? Never. Never? Bullshit. Yes. Yeah, yeah Evan's saying yes. <laughs> would it would have involved you maybe having to hold her hair back at one stage? We're still getting married. I'm only going to say four <laughs> words. Fresh Hot Beer Festival. Uh, <laughs> no wonder she loves it so much. Who's the most famous person either of you have ever shared a beer with? Can't remember. <laughs> Willie Simpson. Willie Simpson. <laughs> okay. What, what has beer done for you that nothing else has in your lives? I've got a husband. Fair enough. What, beer brought you together, did it? <laughs> what a cute little story. How sweet. Is he going to agree with that, Evan? Got your wife to be? Uh, look, when someone comes up and says that they've enjoyed a beer you've made, that, that is the best feeling in the world. Yep. Great. Uh, mate, spot on. Spot, yeah, I've, I've got to agree with you. I, like A few of people have said that to me, like just the pride that you know you've put so much hard work into that beer and when someone else gets joy out of it, bang. Absolutely. Kind of like when you have a baby and you give it to someone and they tell you that they're cute. Similar. Same, same. Maybe. <laughs> I don't or, know. Or like just sitting there as an observer and, and watching people um, drink your beer and, you know, and see oh, that. Oh, like from the background. Yeah. yeah. And see that enhance their time, whether yeah. they're, whether they're socialising or just relaxing by themselves. I love it. Um, you can see the enjoyment in their, in their face. That's awesome, mate. That's awesome. Um what is the, the best beer experience you've ever enjoyed? Oh, the first time I ever had a Saison de Pont, like yep. many, many years ago. It just, my world changed. Nice. It is a great beer, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I visited Bamberg in yep. southern Germany yep. many, many years ago um, before I even knew a lot about beer and going into a 500-year-old pub where they make their own smoked beer, um, having the smoked beer and you know, sausages and sauerkraut um, sitting there with the locals in this ancient place, that's got to be up That's there. gold. That is gold. Um, and what's the most important thing you guys have learnt in your craft beer journey? It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. Good results take perseverance. Yeah. You're not going to hit... Hit a gold first time. That, that, I just, that's what it meant. Ask him. He knows. He knows the words. <laughs> You're the sales manager. You're meant to be the words. He's meant to be the bloke that doesn't say much behind the scenes. Oh uh, well, you know, it's a, it's a different dynamic. Fair yeah. enough. Fair <laughs> enough. And lastly, I'm tipping it's going to be no, but. Do you reckon there's any chance either of you would be able to help me get Chris Hemsworth on the podcast to spread the craft beer love through the world? Oh, I'm in. No, yeah. No, okay, you could be in, but I'm just trying to, do you have someone who might be in with him that could help say, hey, get on that podcast? No, but I can give it a go. You could try. Yeah. Team effort. Yeah. Let's do this. Uh, thanks for joining me today, today guys. Uh, that has been absolutely fantastic. You, uh, an absolute breath of fresh air. I love the fact that you, we've uh, sort of almost caused a fight between the two of you because maybe you've been letting out corporate secrets. That's fantastic. But, uh, like, there's a lot of love in this room here with the two of you. I uh, wish you well in your upcoming nuptials and I uh, wish you well for all that's going on at the Bruny Island Beer Company very soon. Are we looking on with uh, much eagerness? So uh, cheers to great beers. Thank thanks, you. Cheers. cheers. Let's go enjoy some. Thanks for tuning in to another Beer Healer interview. I really hope you guys enjoyed the episode as much as I did. 
If you want to follow along with more Beer Healer content, you can check out my Facebook, YouTube and Instagram pages. Just search Beer Healer or you can visit beerhealer.com. If you like the podcast, can you please help me spread the word by subscribing and rating it and sharing it with your beer-loving friends.